1: What's up, honey? I'm Sade Simone. For years, I was looking for a spiritual sanctuary, but never felt like I fit into the wellness space. I was so turned off by the idea that I had to fit into what spirituality should look like or should sound like, I carved out a niche of my own. By embracing my spiritually sassy nature, I became an embodied permission slip to allow others to do the same. Spiritually Sassy is owning where you fall on the many spectrums of life, living in the complex gray areas between normal and non Whether you identify as plain vanilla or sparkly rainbow gelato, my community welcomes and celebrates you in all your delicious potential. This podcast is for people longing for an avant-garde awakening, On the Spiritual Assassin's Show, we're going to explore and celebrate what it means to show up in your full power, feeling fabulous, looking fabulous, and making a fabulous impact together. One guest at a time, we're revolutionizing and redefining what it means to be spiritual in today's modern world. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. As I graduate myself, the health coaching certification has been a huge ally for me to be where I'm at today. Are you curious to learn more or thinking of kicking off a new chapter in your career? Head over to the show notes and click the link to get a delicious, massive discount of $2,000 off of your tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off if you use a payment plan. And my love, don't forget, you have to use my name as a referrer to get this epic discount. And just in case you forgot, my name is Sa de Simone.
0: Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba.
1: Oh my fucking goodness. Today, you guys, we have a dear friend of mine, an iconic, legendary, such a powerful being who I've known, who was one of my first Dharma friends when I moved back to New York. And I can't wait to share our story. Diego Perez is with us today. Diego is the writer behind Young Pueblo. He's a meditator, a writer and a speaker who has over 1 million followers on Instagram. His work focuses on the reality of self healing and the movement from self love to unconditional love and the wisdom that comes when we truly work on knowing ourselves. His first book, Inward, quickly became a bestseller on Amazon. And his second book, Clarity and Connection, is available now for pre order and will be released on April 27. Welcome to the show, honey.
0: Uh, thank you so much, my brother for having me. It's always a joy every time we connect. And I feel like it's, it's uh, we can't even stress enough how much we are real life friends. Like we spend time together. We've known each other for years. We call each other to check in. And it's just, it's a deep connection we have.
1: So, so true. And so, so profoundly meaningful to me. Uh, I remember the last time you spoke was maybe a few weeks ago, you we had just uh, left, I think it was a 30 day silent retreat. Uh, that you right. sat with your wife, which I find so inspiring. That you guys are able to do this work together, um, and we're sharing about some things that came up, insights, kinds of transformation that took place. And you're always uh, your your discipline to freedom is something that continuously inspires me profoundly.
0: Thank you so much, and likewise. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we connected so seriously from the beginning, because. I remember when I had just met you. I mean, you one of your first courses was like a thirty day Tibetan Buddhism meditation course, and I was just like, I hadn't done a thirty day at that point yet. Mm-hmm, um, and I found mm-hmm. that I was like, well, this dude's the real deal, so I got to spend time with him. <laughs> yeah. And how
1: do we meet? How do we meet exactly? I remember I, I think I wrote you an IG, and I was like, yo,
0: what's good, honey? You de- you definitely slipped into my DMs, yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. And I, I felt that intuitive click and I was like, you know what? I need to see this is a friend right here. We need to, we need to connect. And,
1: and, and then the friendships d- developed because we're both disciplined about our meditation practice. We're both disciplined about staying sober. We're both disciplined about thinking of, of creative ways to become of benefit to all people
0: yeah it's really true. and it's it's interesting because i I think that was around the time where we both really like put our foots down about our sobriety and we did it separately. You know, that wasn't like I, I didn't really know that about you from your from your i g. um yeah, but I think it was really helpful because we were both starting off and and I just felt it in me. I was like, this is gonna be the best thing for my meditation practice, so I got to take it seriously. And it was just incredible mm-hmm. that another person just automatically walks into my life from a different lineage you know someone that i have so much mm-hmm. confidence in and is like you know what i'm doing the same thing and i can still like mm-hmm. live a young and amazing life without all these intoxicants mm-hmm.
1: do you miss uh drugs and alcohol
0: no way it's like it's asking me if i miss. do i miss sorrow no <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> Um, no, no, and you know what? not to I'm not trying to like put down what other people are doing, but like for me personally, right? For me, Diego, as an individual, it just was not helpful. You know, mm-hmm. it was making my mind dense. Mm-hmm. It was slowing down my progress in meditation, and mm-hmm. I just felt like I don't know, I enjoyed being with my clarity
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, I was speaking about this the other day, and I was saying to people uh, i was I was sharing a talk it uh, was actually yesterday about. Mm-hmm how sobriety changed my life. And it's been a hard journey, um, mm-hmm. but also one of the best decisions that I've ever made to really choose to be clear, choose to not have that physiological hangover and of course a psychological hangover. And it's just, it, it supports us because we already have so many defilements,
0: so many um, yeah. you know mental knots. Why add another one? Did you notice the shift in your creativity? Because I remember I started Young Pueblo before, like I was still smoking and drinking when I started. And mm-hmm. then like when I stopped, there was a massive shift in just like the quality of my writing, the the subjects that I could tackle and, uh, and obviously stemming from like my understanding of myself, but it was just, I could um, talk about it with so much more fluidity than before.
1: That's right. Same. That exactly. The depth of, of my the depth of my understanding of suffering and the depth of my understanding of transformation was like laser clear after that yeah. and for everyone listening i i for my own personal experience it's been challenging at times uh you know sometimes when i hang out with friends from the old world they're still drinking and doing drugs and i feel like oh am i missing out they're having more fun than me and then i rem- and then i stop and i realize like oh three people just came up to ask me what am i on and can i have some and I'm like, I'm just high on <laughs> my own supply, honey. I'm just high on the breath. I'm yeah. just high on concentration. I'm just high in presence.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and it's it's really true. Um, I think like for my personal friend group, it's it's interesting because I feel like when I do hang out with my friends, especially like pre-pandemic, they would, you know, just drink less around me or not drink at all. And it was just easier for us to vibe together. And it was almost like, my presence would allow them an opportunity to like give themselves that tiny challenge. Like, let's see how much I can enjoy my Friday night without, you know, consuming other things mm. besides what's already happening in my being.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that you spoke about my presence would allow them. Can you speak a little bit more about this? Cause I often speak about the uh, the time I when the first I met, when the first time I met his own as the Dalai Lama it was high up in the Himalayas in the North of India. And I just remember walking to the temple where he lived, where he still lives. And I remember just like my internal landscape becoming silent and my nervous system relaxing. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Is there something in the air? Is there something in the air? Is there something in the water? How come this dude is changing the (laughs) psychological temperature in the room? You know, I was like, what the fuck? So can you speak to that? And it's something I have to... Always a mirror to you that you your presence is always so relaxing. If I feel completely safe and seen by you. Non-verbally. You just like. "Mm."
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you know, there's two things that come to mind. It's like one that human beings, we have this pretty like innate ability to meet each other where we're at. You know, we try to find a medium where we can both communicate. And I think that's that's what happens between like me and my friends. Um, especially like my really tight group of friends where like they know that that's not how I communicate or that's not how, you know, I don't do those things anymore. So they're like, okay, let's meet somewhere in the middle. And to them, you know, that may be a bit of a challenge, but they try, you know, they try anyways because like our friendship is so much, it's more like family. But then there's this other thing happening Mm at a much subtler level where it's like, there is this like energetic osmosis that's happening where it's almost like, you know, everyone, everyone has a vibration, everyone has a frequency, everyone's putting out a particular type of energy. And honestly, I've met people like that, too, you know, teachers in the tradition that I meditate inside of, um, where I come around them, and automatically inside of myself, it's like, okay, I want to be the best version of myself possible right now. You know, like, I want to, like, literally try to, you know, just, put forward even more wholesome actions and like do my best and create more merit so mm-hmm. that I could, I don't know. Cause it's just so inspiring. These people who have just taken it to the next level, you know, cause you and I, we've meditated a lot, but then there are other people who are just like, so lit, like, so like, you know, like who they spend, mm-hmm. like, they don't, have, they, don't have any, <laughs> they don't you know, like they don't have an Instagram. They, they're not on social media. They're living like very quiet lives that are just fully aligned with the truth, like fully aligned with the reality and when you encounter them it's like okay well they're really happy they're really peaceful so like let me emulate mm-hmm. the way they are
1: mm-hmm. i love this thank you for sharing that that's so beautifully put um so let's talk about uh spiritual friendships real quick before we move on to anything else what, how sure. important is it to have friends on the spiritual path
0: oh i think it's so important i mean the buddha talked about that himself right he said something along the lines that Um, either, you know, find people who are going to travel this journey into deeper wisdom with you or walk alone. Um, Mm. especially when it comes to liberation, right? Like liberation is very different from, um, a journey of self-love or a journey of healing. Like liberation means like the total eradication of craving, right? The total, um, like we're trying to completely liberate the mind from suffering. So this is some very, you know, pretty high level, serious stuff. And it's a path that more and more people walk on. That's a path that you and I walk on. Mm -hmm. Um, But that serious type of spiritual friendship, like I think, you know, I benefit so much from the fact that my wife, she's a very serious meditator too. Like we're saying, she was also at this 30 day meditation course as well that I got to go on. And the spiritual friendship that her and I have that, you know, how it's becoming deeper and stronger and we get to share about our practices with each other and we Mm -hmm. get to share our doubts and share our, you know, like, you know, what, what is really happening? Like, are we really understanding the practice? Well, and similar with, you know, with what you and I have, it's like, I love coming to you with my questions about my curiosity, because I'm deeply embedded in the S lineage, right, which is essentially mm-hmm. like a Theravada Buddhism lineage. Um, it's developed in a very universal way, but that those are the roots of it. Mm-hmm. But then you come from a Tibetan Buddhist lineage. And to me, it's like, you know, how do you meditate? Like, what do you do? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm always so curious because it's like, it's it's to me, it's so fascinating the way that the Buddha Dhamma has all these different expressions. And when I get to learn about them, you know, it feeds like a very positive curiosity. And I just get so much from that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, you know, as Buddhists, we take refuge in the Buddha Dharma Sangha uh, morning and night, or anytime we need to refresh our intention and our attention. And for those of you who are not familiar with the, with the word Sangha, it's the spiritual communities, the Supreme Assembly, mm-hmm. and the importance of having friends who are as committed as you are, not only as committed as you are, but friends who are also perhaps a few steps ahead of you, you know, being in touch with your teachers. That's why the importance of having a teacher um, is super, super necessary for the path.
0: I think it's so fun whenever one of us goes to a retreat because I feel like whenever I see you going on a retreat, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got I to go on one, too. <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, I'm actually like uh, looking for a way to get back to India to be able to sit and do. There's there's a goal I have is to do this purification retreat called the Vajrasafa retreat, which is three months. Yeah. Um, and wow. that is that is the high, high goal that I have. And it happens January, February uh march um
0: that's a good
1: time that's a good time to go yeah also the weather in in Kathmandu Nepal is amazing it's like really chilly uh in the like early morning and then from like 11 to like 2 30 the sun is shining and it's like 50s and then it gets kind of cold again but during that that high time of the day where your mind is really awake where you're really like energized the sun is also full power so you have this beautiful uh, connection with life outside of yourself and when you step out of the gompa the meditation hall and for for these short breaks and you sit in the sun for a few moments it's like oh my god ecstasy right
0: Wow that's amazing I, I remember last time you went to Nepal and in India you came back so late and I was just like man this guy <laughs> got the full the full battery recharge.
1: <laughs> uh, it's so incredible. You know, it's being in a culture where where spirituality is the is the currency, you know, very different from our world here in, in America, you know. Um, yeah, that's really true. And I remember one of the first conversations that we've had, you were speaking to me about a, a, a new way of looking at capitalism and money and something about circular. I can't even remember. Maybe it's not even <laughs> present for you right now. But I was like, okay, honey, that's really cute.
0: no definitely i feel like all all the young pueblo work like even like young pueblo itself it means young people and it's this like it's a constant reminder to me that humanity is very very young and Mm -hmm. i like to start off from the point of personal transformation because from Mm -hmm. the individual stems the entirety of society um but i like thinking about the future you know because like I do appreciate my transformation and I see transformation happening in so many other people, but then what does that, you know, how is that going to transform the collective? Hopefully mm-hmm. in ways that, you know, support the human being way better and that are just much more accepting to all different varieties of, of human beings and their expressions and in ways that really support us, you know, in our material needs so that we can like mm-hmm. eat and be happy and have houses and have schools and, and just not have to struggle in these like Fundamental ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And who
1: is Young Pueblo right now? Who is Diego Perez right now?
0: Oh, that's interesting. I I try. It's almost like it's like two things. Like Young Pueblo for me is it's a project, right? It's like it's my writing project. I I, I really enjoy doing it. But then Diego Perez is like the real, like the you know the the real essence behind the behind the whole thing, and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me right now, I'm like I said, I just came out of this 30 day meditation course and it ended February 15th and that was about like almost a month ago. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm still kind of coming down. I'm still sort of like, you know, re-entering the world because it's 30 days of silence, 30 days of like just really focusing on impermanence and making sure that I'm um, doing, you know, making the most of my time and mm-hmm. i don't know these days i just feel a lot happier way less tense way less um, caught up in the narratives and and I, i'm excited to write again i think you know in the way 2020 like there was just so much happening with the pandemic so much focus on like you know is my family going to be okay cuz my mom you know she's a little bit sick and trying to make sure that you know they mm-hmm. don't get sick and we had family members pass away um, all of, all of that, you know, struggle just had really gotten into my mind. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now coming out of the 30 day course, it's like, okay, like, you know, I can, I can much more easily come back to, to my own reality, to coming in touch with my piece and coming in touch with like, just a better way to show up in service really. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you touched upon a really uh, delicious topic. Um, I had
1: another uh, Buddhist uh, teacher and practitioner who I absolutely adore, Rachel Webb, on on the podcast not too long ago. And she spoke about uh, impermanence. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you um, give us uh, a a way for people to understand what that means on a day-to-day level?
0: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the way we function on the... Like interpersonal level, it's hard to see impermanence. You know, you you only notice it uh, pretty slowly. Like you know that your body is like moving, and you didn't just stay still the whole day. But that's a very like gross level. But in reality, at the atomic level, like literally your atoms, your cells, the biological level, the mental level, the physical level, the cosmic level, everything is moving. Everything is changing so rapidly. And if you take that down to the ultimate level you know, when you ask yourself, who am I, I am this composition, this really rapid combination of mental and physical phenomena. When you are able to feel that within your own body and understand that impermanence is just literally like everything, everything in this universe, including everything that I think is me, all of that is impermanent. This is what opens the gateway to liberation, right? Even if it's like a tiny little bit, it sort of starts bringing you closer to the reality that like, a lot of my suffering is caused because I'm rejecting impermanence.
1: Mm. I'm rejecting
0: change. So when you just embrace change, oof, then you can start building that inner peace.
1: Oh, so beautiful! If you guys can see the smile I have on my face right now, it's like ah yes. <laughs> so when we how how do we sort of embrace change in in a day to day life? Like I speak about the uh, I speak about miracles happening. When we wake up, we're feeling crunchy and wobbly and scattered, and and that we think that that state of mind is going to dictate our day, and will dictate our week, and perhaps will dictate our our, our life. Right? Oftentimes, when it's so it's so um, sticky and 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 we're so hooked, we believe that we are that, and that will sort of yeah. last for a long time. Uh, and I and I shared with people that sometimes I wake up like that, and then when I sit to do my practice and I come out of the practice, I'm like, oh shit. I was caught up in this dark cloud but I was completely in, in amnesia <laughs> this amnesia took me by storm and I thought that I'm just this I thought that I was just this little cloud I forgot that I'm this vast delicious beautiful sky and this dark cloud is only a, a passing wave um that's how I've been sort of incorporating the idea of impermanence to people um in this working when working with the with mental events with our internal landscape right, right. And, and then the, the moment of, of, of the moment that we unhook, uh, to count it as a, as a miracle and to really be like, okay, miracle is taking place. And then, and then from that moment, offer that miracle to someone else, like offer some love, try to do something to beautify the world outside of yourself. That moment that you have unhooked.
0: Absolutely. I, I love the way that you just lined it out. I think, especially for people who, let's say for people who are listening, who don't have a practice, Right. You can think about impermanence the same way that you would think about practicing daily gratitude, right? If you like literally take a moment and in your mind, you're like, can line out, like, this is what I'm grateful for today. I have air Mm -hmm. to breathe. I have food. I have housing. I have friends. I have family. You know, and you can just line out like the things that are making your life better in a similar manner. You can like take a moment in the day to like contemplate impermanence to be like, okay, like, you know. Even from as little as like, well, I was once a child and now I'm an adult. The mm. seasons change, you know, like the 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 sky, the temperature is always changing. And just like remembering that, you know, change is just a facet of your life. And literally, and this is something I wrote about the other day. I wrote this little paper called The Depth of Change. Mm. And one thing that I wanted to highlight was the fact that it's so easy for people to have this like uh, challenging, almost like combative relationship with impermanence that they mm-hmm. forget to celebrate the fact that impermanence is what gave you your life.
1: Mm. Like literally,
0: if if you, if you there was no movement, if there was no change happening, you wouldn't exist. You know, like mm. your atoms, your cells, they literally need to move for you to be able to be alive. And that means that all the wonderful people who've entered into your life, all the lessons that you've learned, all the good things that have happened, they've happened through the medium of change. So change doesn't just bring difficult things, it brings beautiful things. And if you deeply understand change, it could also bring your liberation. Holy fucking shit, honey. My job, that was so great. Oh my goodness,
1: thank you for that. And and how the fuck did you become so wise? Is there a point, is there a specific moment that it was like, okay, I'm in rock bottom, something's gotta change.
0: What was the pivot? Oh, it, yeah, you know, there was a big, transformational moment. And it's funny because I'm I'm totally open to talking about it, but I also like want to let people know like, you know, transformation comes to people in very different ways. So like, yeah, I definitely hit rock bottom. <laughs> it was hard. It was, uh, it was hard and it was and it was hard. All right. that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to go through rock bottom or anything like that. Um, but for me it was when I when I was about 20, I think I was like 20 three years old. Mm. It was like the year after I graduated from college, I had just developed all these nasty, nasty habits that really stemmed from my own insecurity, my anxiety, my sadness, and they had just manifested into my constant chasing of pleasure, right? I was like, like whenever I would feel these intense emotions, I would suppress them and then try to run into, into the arms of pleasure, right? Like I would start smoking a lot, or I'd start drinking a lot, or I, you know, would hang out with my friends 24 seven. And it wasn't even like, at a deep level, because like my relationships back then were really superficial, because I didn't know myself well. And mm. that really kind of snowballed into just me using a bunch of different drugs. And there was one particular night in the summer of 2011, where I almost died, like I literally had you know used a bunch of drugs and i was i got to the point where i was like on the floor my chest my heart felt like it was going to explode and mm-hmm. i felt like i was dying mm-hmm. um and i remember I, t- I talked to a doctor later about what happened and she was pretty sure that i might have had like a very mild heart attack um and i was lucky it wasn't worse but that moment scared me so much and just kind of mm-hmm. shook me awake that mm-hmm. you know i took the drugs i flushed them down the toilet and, and really it was the hard drugs because I came out of like, you know, now I don't take any intoxicants at all. Like, no, you know, not even alcohol, marijuana, nothing like that. But, um, but what I did was I got rid of the hard the harder drugs, the ones that could really be like, you know, life, life threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started, you know, that slow walk into like self-love and that slow walk into positive habit building and that, slow walk into like radical honesty where I was being really honest with myself as opposed to just running away and running away into pleasure um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what really kicked off the the transformation and then it was like a year after that event happened that I did my first 10-day silent vipassana meditation course and Mm -hmm. that's when like the real deep healing started happening when we started like you know healing things at the very root of the mind Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm
1: epic thank you for sharing that and when those memories visit you from the past what happens in your mind what's the orientation of the mind when the old version of diego shows up in the mind um is there like a, a a whisper of forgiveness or is there just kind of a passing cloud leaving no residue behind can we get a peek into your, into what happens in your mind when you get faced with like a flare up? What, a memory that would that would normally in today's life I know it doesn't because of the amount of work you've done, but perhaps a year ago, two years ago or maybe even today there's certain things that visit you. I I was I was faced with a memory this morning, but instead of me, you know, going deep into the rabbit hole of shame and spiral and all the things I just it was it was a past it was just this
0: beautiful sort yeah, of movement, yeah. you know. And, and and I mean, as much as you know, right? I'm not I'm not liberated at all, right? <laughs> so, so but when when those memories come up, mm. um, that's one of the ways that you can measure the progress in your healing and in your liberation because healing and liberation they do go side by side for a while, but liberation does go a lot further. Um, but for both of them, for a while, it's what really shows kind of where you're at is if when that old memory or that old trauma comes up, right, no longer are you trying to suppress it or run away from it, but you're also being with it in a way where you're not reacting to it with the same intensity as before. And I think that's been mm-hmm. my experience is that over time, right, I'll get those memories and they used to shock me. And as I keep practicing, as I keep meditating, as I keep, you know, just staying committed to my journey that intensity has just decreased and decreased and decreased over time. And they're just kind of like, you know, like I feel the reality of them, but they, they don't shake me the way that they used to, because, you know, like I made those mistakes, but because of those experience and me being open to learning from those experience, like that's what has made my life better. So how can I hate those moments? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that.
1: Um, and did you have a, a, like in in these moments of of everything that you shared, have you worked closely with like forgiveness?
0: Um, I have. You know, I've thought a lot about forgiveness because like I wasn't, and you and I have talked about this a lot. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't like the nicest person. Like the in in the in that era when I was so hard and rough on myself, I was being pretty rough with other people. Like I was kind mm-hmm. of a jerk, you know. So. Same I, um, here honey you know that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mm. you know I definitely support forgiveness to you know forgiving myself and for, and and actively asking for forgiveness from other people that I've harmed. But at the same time if you try to examine like how many people have you really harmed, right? You have no idea. There are so many people that you could have harmed and you just were completely oblivious to the fact that you said something that made their day way worse. Or you, you know, one little mm. comment and you could have sent them on a spiral and you have no idea. So if you think about it that way, in terms of like, you know, how, how could I even, if I wanted to apologize to every single person that I've ever harmed, there's so many people that I've unintentionally harmed that this job would never be accomplished. So to me, I'd rather, you know, mm-hmm. forgive myself forgive the people, like ask for forgiveness from the people that that it makes sense to. And that's a case by case situation. But then focus on the present mm-hmm. moment, right? Like Because what's the best thing that you can do is just make sure to not commit those mistakes again. And that's that's been one of the big lessons. I think mm-hmm. when I did my first and my second 30 day course, that's what kept coming up because one of the ways that Mara right mm-hmm. my like inner defilements would try to stop the progress of my meditation was that it would show me again and again the different ways that i've messed up and that i've you know committed you know treated someone not well or or said something i shouldn't have said and what i was realizing was like okay well this isn't like i'm not going to you know i'm not fully liberated so i'm not going to be perfect all the time but what i can do is i can wholeheartedly commit to just trying to be the best version of myself to trying to be gentle with the people around me to to not speak from a place Mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. ego and dominance, but instead speak from a place of compassion and committing to that just makes it so Mm -hmm. that your future, you will not have to deal with these hard memories because you're not trying to hurt anybody anymore.
1: Mm, So beautifully said. Oh my goodness. You always deliver. I'm like this bitch, honey work so good. (laughs) Uh, And this leads me to, this leads me to a perfect uh, piece from your new book. Uh, hmm. that's coming out soon, Clarity and Connection. Um, there's, it's, it's talks about all people uh, are imperfect. So let me read this a little bit, and I would love for, for us to sort of develop on that a little bit. So sure. um, it says, throw away the idea that you need to find a perfect partner or a flawless friend. All people are imperfect. What is possible is connecting with someone who is doing their inner work. They will have more practice with authenticity, holding space, intentional growth, and self-awareness. This is on page 105 from uh, Diego's new book.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for highlighting, highlighting that one because it's so key. I think a lot of times in our imaginations, we want this like perfect partner to come sweep us off our feet to just like help us handle our own healing because we need to heal so bad. But then we forget that, like, the best we can do is find a wonderful person who is completely imperfect, right? <laughs> Somebody who, who has <laughs> a bunch of, uh, someone who has a bunch of work to do on their own, and we can't, you know, rely on this like constant stream of imaginary perfection. I think mm-hmm. what you can really do and what you can really commit to is the fact that I need to heal and you need to heal, and the best that we can do is support each other through that process. And then as we develop inner harmony, we're going to be able to have much more harmony, much more clear com- communication, and much more like direct ways of supporting each other in our relationship. And that's what's going to mm-hmm. make things better. Because at the end of the day, like we can both grow mm-hmm. so much, and we both have old mm-hmm. emotions that need to be processed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And how would you say that um, for people who are listening and they still have this this old view, I mean, I'm currently dating somebody and I'm like, oh, he's so perfect. Oh my God. And I'm like, (laughs) girl, stay in your lane, bitch. You know what I mean? Stay in your lane, you know, clock it back in, recognize that we're all, you know, imperfect. And that's the beautiful thing of it. Like, how would you say that your relationship to your wife and you guys are so profoundly inspired has changed since you guys are both deeply committed to the path uh were there were there glitches in the past that are no longer around and you know give us a peek into into you guys's uh relationship um a little bit for those who are listening so they could be like okay i i could i could be i could aspire to have that because you guys are
0: so fucking amazing (laughs) together it's like ah i just want to take a bite of both of you um, it's funny because I, like, I love my wife so much and I love her so much better now, but, uh, like we were in a hurricane together in the past. Like, that's what it really felt like. It was so chaotic. Like our relationship, mm. our relationship always had a very strong connection, mm-hmm. but for years, like, you know, cause we, we met, she was 18 and I was 19 when we met and we started being together. And from then until basically when we started meditating like we had the connection but we didn't have the emotional maturity or like the inner fortitude to really build a healthy relationship so mm-hmm. like our communication was often off um our ability to like give and receive from each other wasn't very clear mm-hmm. and oftentimes like just like everything was just full of attachments like she had so many attachments i had so many attachments and And we just struggled. Like it was just a constant state of friction. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like a miracle that we ended up passing through that stage. But then when we started meditating, that's when everything just started making sense. It was like, okay, like, wow, my mind is creating so much of this of these attachments and these illusions that I'm trying to impose on you. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, the movements of the mind are so fast that sometimes I would feel, you know, I'd wake up. And I would feel, you know, I wouldn't feel great, but then my mind would immediately try to make that her fault. And she, and she would do the same thing. You know, she would notice that like, you know, she would come home from work and she wouldn't feel good. And then that energy that she was already carrying would quickly try to morph itself into some sort of reason as to like, why that's my fault. And once we develop that degree of self-awareness that meditation really gives you, and you start noticing those mental patterns you're like, oh, wait, this actually has nothing to do with you. <laughs> 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 and that, that moment, like, that was like one of the biggest shifts was the fact that like, it opened a door to a deeper form of communication where constantly, we're not asking, you know, we're asking each other, like, in a very real way, like, how are you feeling? Like, how are you doing? And even now, you know, we can look in each other's eyes and we can see when a little something has come up, right? Like something inside of ourselves, like, cause we meditate two hours a day and, you know, an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening and the meditation process, it's a process of purification. It's a deconditioning process. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be so much that literally will have to come up and come out. And through that, you know, that can be rocky sometimes. So we can better mm-hmm. appreciate each other's healing path. And just the fact that like through your healing path, you're not always gonna feel good. So let me like give you your space. Mm-hmm. Let me like, like how can I help you? And having that communication has just mm-hmm. changed everything. And it's totally not perfect all the time, you know, but um, but even when we do get into like little arguments and stuff, they're so much more efficient and they're so much more clear. And we find a harmony, so like a genuine authentic harmony so much faster. And I'm just grateful because honestly, like, I attribute the the new love that we have in our relationship to meditation.
1: Mm, that's so beautiful. One of my gurus said, the most important question you can, I can always ask yourself and your students is how quickly can you find your center? And yep. using that question to like, really, and you said the... It's the arguments are so much more efficient, which I love that kind yeah. of word choice. It's so beautiful. And this leads me to one of your quotes, uh, uh, one of your viral quotes. It says, and it's perfect a uh, segue to this uh, from what you said. It's make deep connections, not deep attachments.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, mm. that one, mm. that's that's the one, you know, I mean, and it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of um, like the word attachment. Well, like we're really talking about it from the perspective of the buddha dhamma right? That's um, right it's not it's not the perspective of like modern western psychology which has a bunch of different different definitions for attachment which are totally fine you know we're not but we're talking about it in the specific way where your attachments that are driven by your cravings actually create your suffering <laughs> so mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. in that sense like if you take that you know, individualistic sense, and then bring it to the realm of relationships. When you start perceiving your relationships more as a sort of medium for communication, and for you to, you know, for both of you to really ask each other, like, how can I support your happiness? How can I support you through your personal healing journey? Then you get this like very clear Mm -hmm. way of loving each other. But if you're silently expecting and being attached to like, you know, this is what I want from this person. This is what I, you know, and I want this and that and this, but you never communicate those things and you kind of keep them in yourself in a very unhealthy way, then of course there's going to be friction in your relationship. So you're better off communicating mm-hmm. and you're also better off just like finding that healthy medium because relationships are not about getting everything you want, right? You you need to be able mm-hmm. to, and I've talked about this with friends who like, are in like really serious relationships or that they're even thinking about getting married. And it's like, look, man, like in your, in your relationship, you should be able to get 50% of what you want. But the other 50% is you letting go and making sure that your partner gets what they want because that extra 50% that belongs to them, that's actually going to be your happiness too, because you should be getting so much joy from seeing them be happy. And it's not going to be mm. like, I'm going to get everything I want. That's that's not a real relationship. Relationships are about having mm-hmm. a very healthy medium.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so beautiful. Uh, I spoke about this recently, vicarious joy, or in the in the scriptures, it's called sympathetic joy, right? Mm. Um, and feeling happy by s- f- experiencing happiness, genuine happiness inside of yourself by seeing somebody else happy. Um, and Absolutely. Absolutely seeing uh, putting that as a pointer to spiritual progress um closer and closer to to being liberated um and can you speak about people who are not familiar with attachment how could they get to know their attachments like what's one thing that they could all they could do to just like get to know <laughs> the what you know like attachment from a from I, the buddhist perspective
0: yeah i mean there's a lot of ways to consider it but one of the most like plain and clear ways is if your mind is feeling tension, then attachment is there. Some, some tension or another, when it's manifesting, that's because something there is like literally gripping on to a particular idea. And if you're gripping on to something, then you're not gonna have any flexibility and you're literally mentally attached. You're like trying to make something happen or you're trying to run away from a specific thing. And when you don't have that fluidity, of course, it's going to get hurt. You know, like you need to be able to be like what, like Bruce Lee said, be like water. You need to have this fluidity, this flexibility that will allow you to let go and pass through difficult moments. And, you know, it's it's interesting because a lot of people, like the human mind tends to go from extreme to extreme. So they're like, oh, but if you don't care, you know, if you're not, if you're not attached and you don't care, it's like, no, that's not it at all. You know, if to be uh. detached and to be able to observe something as it is, that actually totally allows you to reclaim your power. You can be in your power and realize like, oh, this is not good. But then you realize that this is not good without causing yourself all that mental tension. And because you're not causing yourself that tension, you're gonna have so much mental clarity to be much more creative about the solutions that you come up with to deal with that problem that's in front of you. So in reality, if your Mm -hmm. mind is detached, you're gonna have so much more energy and you're gonna be way more effective in life in dealing with all the ups and downs. So, I mean, attachment is mm-hmm. just everywhere. It's, it's, it's essentially just wanting, sorry, it's craving things to be in a very specific way.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you uh, so much for that. A simple way for people to just become aware of the, when there's tension in the mind, attachment's running the show. Um, running and oftentimes ruining our lives, right? Leading us to all these unwholesome, unwholesome states of mind, unwholesome words, unwholesome, unwholesome actions. Uh, And then your life becomes a perpetual cycle of suffering. Um, This is a perfect segue to another piece from Clarity and Connection. This is on page 78. Um, Many of our emotional reactions do not have. Let me start this again. This is so beautiful. Many of our emotional reactions do not have to do with what is currently going on. They're actually old emotions accumulated from the past patterns that arise with familiar when familiar situations appear. Did I deliver that well for you?
0: Yeah. No. Totally. Okay. It, um, Page seventy-eight, that's, everybody. That's, the, know, that's, that's Diego's
1: new book. Mm.
0: That's basically it. I mean, the the mind is like a recorder. It's just constantly recording everything. And even though you don't remember everything on the conscious level of the mind, the subconscious level of the mind is maintaining all of that, like those little reactive patterns that encode all of that information about how you reacted in the past. And as soon as the mind recognizes something that's familiar, so it's like, oh, in this situation, we feel fear. And then boom, all this like fear starts coming up or this situation we react with anger, like, the, you know, and this anger will keep us safe or this fear will keep mm-hmm. us safe. And mm-hmm. when you keep, you know, like, cause your, your system in the mind of reaction, it's totally tied to survival. It's like a very sort of evolutionary thing. It's conditioned over time. But if you live from that place of constant reaction, not only are you going to stop your like innate human nature from really flowing outward and coming forward powerfully, But you're going to just have very limited options where you're constantly repeating the past over and over again. Mm -hmm. So, and you find that, you know, often a lot in meditation is like you start meditating, you start the deconditioning process, and then stuff starts coming up. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, where is all this anxiety coming from? Well, that's actually anxiety that you've been harboring in your mind for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. it's finally come up to be able to evaporate, to dissolve, Mm -hmm. you know? So that, and that happens a lot. I think even, whether you're meditating or whether you're, you know, in a serious personal transformation journey or even through therapy, you know, the mind has this ability to to want to cleanse itself and the same way that it wants to accumulate. Um, so if you're trying to transform, then I think you're bound to be able to feel the the old things that are that are waiting just below the surface.
1: Mm-hmm. And would you say that the stuff that we're experiencing right now, and I know this is going to get a little bit more mystical for some people, but would you say that the um, the our current state of mind, our current experience of our mind, it has to do with all of our past actions from even previous lives?
0: Yeah, and it, it totally depends on you know your frame of reference um and what you believe, because like even if you don't believe in past lives, like you have reacted countless times in this one particular life mm-hmm. you're reacting all the time even while you're asleep your mind is constantly reacting mm-hmm. i love this example that my teacher s N. Gwenka gives where he's like if there was a mosquito in your room like you would be swatting it away or you would be scratching yourself if it bit you and you would be totally asleep and you'd be oblivious to all of that but your subconscious mind is still taking care of all of that mm-hmm. you know mechanism mm-hmm. um but, you know, similarly, like, yeah, personally, like, I do believe in past lives. And it um, there's just so much accumulated in the human mind. So mm-hmm. when you start, you know, going in, like, I mean, just, you know, be ready, because if you really want to live happy, and be free and have mental clarity, then you have to come to terms with the fact that, you know, to observe reality as it is means that you can have these like, confines of what you already know attached to it. You just have to just observe. And then whatever arises as true is true. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean, oftentimes I tell people to stop sort of pointing back to the first time they felt anger, the first time they felt anxious, the first time they felt depressed, because the momentum continuum goes way beyond this life and, and so long yeah, yeah so there's no point of trying to trace back when that first thing happened as as a way of amending it it's much better to ask how could i transform this what's happening right now
0: oh
1: shifting from i, love I that
0: you're bringing this up mm, mm, please this is this is really important because i try to tell people a similar thing in writing it's like it's not like healing yourself is not so much an imaginative process. It's literally about feeling like you need to feel your way through what's happening inside of you. And like, like every difficult feeling you have, it won't necessarily have a memory attached to it. You know, like you felt Mm -hmm. so much more than the memories that you can remember. So just like, (laughs) Mm. Mm, this is so good.
1: <laughs> oh, thank God for you, honey. Uh, tell me this. When was the last time you felt depressed or overwhelmed? And how did you do, what did you do to get
0: out of it? Um, that's a really good question. I think probably the last time, um, I felt it strongly before I went to the 30-day meditation course. And then I did feel it a few times in the meditation course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I had like one thing that I'm trying to do is like, be very clear about my objectives as a writer. And like all this, like young Pueblo work that I have is like, I much rather do a few projects really well than sign myself up for a bunch of projects and then just not have enough energy to be able to, you know, make them as good as I want to make them. Um, so mm-hmm. I was feeling overwhelmed, I think before, cause I was trying to like, you know, I was thinking like, Oh, maybe I was going to do a podcast or maybe I was going to do this and that. And then I realized I was like, no, like, listen, focus on your strengths. You're a writer, do your best to write something useful for people. And that's how you can serve people really well. And, um, mm-hmm. being able to like, come back to my initial aspirations and my initial goals. I think that mm-hmm. really helped me kind of like. Um, unbind all that stress that was accumulating. And then, mm-hmm. you know, stress is like one of just one of the most common things that human beings go through. So when I was, you know, when I'm meditating, it's like, you feel like the reason one of the reasons you go into retreat is so that you can feel as much as possible, like all the different things that a human being can feel, so that when they come up, you actually have the opportunity to build equanimity towards them and when you know when you're when you have equanimity towards it mm. then whatever arises dissolves and you know so mm-hmm. during a retreat i could you know i feel so many emotions like sadness anxiety anger hatred ill will like you know you feel mm-hmm. the rough parts of yourself so that you can have the opportunity to purify them yeah because it's interesting like mm-hmm. when you think about and for people who don't uh, know please yeah keep going Oh, sorry. Um, it's it's interesting because a lot of people think about like meditation retreats as, you know, you're just like trying to force this bliss to happen and, or like you're just trying to like really, you know, be so like super blissed out. But it's like if you're if you're going deep into the Buddha Dhamma, it's not really about bliss. It's about purification and and purification. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes there's bliss, you know, but but it's not about that at all.
1: Mm-hmm. i say this to people oftentimes like
0: what happens when you eyes close in the
1: mat it's usually not a bliss factory You <laughs> eyes open in the world then you can experience the light is different the, the way the wind touches your your skin is different the way you hear like you hear love you see love you ex- like it's just what happens eyes close in the mat is very different than what people uh, have a, a misconception of what meditation is not a it's Bliss happens eyes open in the world oftentimes. It's the byproduct I of the love practice. That.
0: I love that because it's so true, right? It's like after you get rid of the junk that's accumulated in your mind, then you live your life and you're like, "Whoa, life is way better. So much better. You're like, you can actually see harmony
1: in the chaos, you know? Right, um, right. And for those, of, for, for everyone who's not familiar with the word equanimity, can you, can you give it to us?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a different ways. It really means balance of mind. And when I talk about it in the way that it was taught to me through SN Goenka, it's literally just not um, having aversion and not having craving. So it's literally being able to just observe the thing as it is. Um, It's sort of like the Buddhist concept of, you know, do nothing, just observe. And to really be able to just observe that's a pretty difficult thing you have to train your mind to just observe and um and yeah when you're not reacting by having craving or having aversion then you're being equanimous and you're taking it in as it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people often mistake
1: equanimity to being a passive kind of like oh like that but would you say that that's not the that equanimity, equanimity is not a passive experience, it's actually a proactive experience.
0: Oh my god, equanimity is like a lifesaver, you know. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's yes. like that equanimity is what will help like when all hell breaks loose and you know like a crazy situation is happening. I mean, think about the the beginning of the pandemic saw so, like when the pandemic happened and everything was going down and like the supermarkets were half empty. People were getting sick left and right. Like nobody knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Dude, yo, me and my wife were like, we were meditating and we felt we felt the fear. We felt the uncertainty. But then the equanimity came to the forefront and we we're like, okay, this is the reality we're in. And we're gonna do our best with it. And then what ended up happening was that as we like settled into the new situation, the equanimity became stronger And we were able to like live our lives, you know, we're able to live our lives within this like new scenario, this new, like kind of like chaotic moment that the whole world is going through. But we understood that like, this isn't permanent, you know, like peace, right? The Mm -hmm. peace that we felt before or the peace that some people felt, right? Because society is incredibly unequal. um, It was disturbed, but then that disruption isn't gonna last forever. So like, let's see how things continue changing. And Mm -hmm. it was funny because the equanimity Not only like we first, you think about it as like something that's helping you make better decisions because that's how it really manifests for you in an active way is like equanimity is like, okay, like here, your mind is clear. Now, how can you deal with this? How can you like just not fall into the hurricane, but be able to walk through it? Mm. Um, But what it ended up showing really nicely was how we could support our families because you know like our families were like having a hard time like my wife's family my family um and my wife and i were able to just like kind of be like pillars that they could lean on during all that craziness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i love that and
1: um when we develop equanimity this like state of psychological stability, what arises is wisdom and you, the wisdom oh, yeah. that arises is so—it's so inspired that oftentimes we're like, oh, "I didn't even know I—I I knew this. I didn't even know I could respond to this in this way." That inspired wisdom comes from developing equanimity. Uh, so, thank you for bringing this up. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: Really, really well said. Okay, so as we're coming up to the end of the podcast, we have a few sassy questions, honey. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) um so tell us um what makes you feel
0: sexy what's the top thing that makes you sexy (laughs) that's so funny um i think i'll i think I'll, i'll i'll take that as like you know what makes me feel like good um but like what makes me feel really good is after going, after I go on a very long run, like I can feel how much my body is strong, how much I've been able to transform it. Like I used to be incredibly unhealthy, and you know to have come this far, where now I can run miles and miles and miles. Like that feels incredible, and um, like having my wife's support and her telling me, like you know you're doing a great job. It's like shoot, like this is this is amazing. This is like I need to keep going and. To me, that feels like really right. Like I'm making the best use of my body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. So
1: running is how Diego Perez feels sexy. <laughs> yes. Uh, and what what makes, makes you feel something. magnetic? You know, like when you one of the things mm. I'm constantly talking about now is like cultivating magnetism. Uh, it's part of the research that I'm doing for my for my uh, new book uh, about spiritual friends, right? It's called spiritual. We're, we're working with the title right now around spiritual friendships, but when you develop yourselves, when you develop your mind and you develop the qualities of your heart, um, you become magnetic. So what helps you,
0: what makes you like, what helps it to be magnetic? Uh, there's two things that really stand out. One is like, if I am living my aspirations, if I am like living my highest goals and I'm Actively trying to pursue them, then the things that I like want to happen can happen much more easily. Or the people that I need to meet, they can appear a lot more easily. And the other thing that's like a pretty natural thing for a lot of meditators who've spent a lot of time doing it is the panya, the wisdom. Right, like as you acquire more and more insight into the reality of nature. Um, that's like a very attractive force. So like, you know, good, good things will come. And they'll like, uh, I think the, the, you know, I think it was the Buddha who said that the purification of the mind is the most wholesome action. So Mm. if you try to purify your mind, and you're spending time like through an actual technique, you know, doing the unraveling, doing the deconditioning work, then that's an incredibly wholesome action. That's like, what we would call like really, really, really good karma. And if you're putting out really good wholesome actions, then they're going to come back to you and good things will come to you much more easily. Um, And even if you don't believe in karma, like if you commit to doing really good wholesome actions and you commit to your own healing and your transformation, then you're no longer creating the conditions for your mind to be full of tension. So, automatically, you're going to be able to appreciate life more and be able to deal with the difficult situations better. God, I knew to have a good answer for this.
1: (laughs) This was so good. Thank you for bringing such a a sassy topic uh, into the highest view of cultivation of merit and the importance of cultivation of merit as the foundation for being magnetic. So, hell yes.
0: That was so good. It's funny. It's it's because funny it's like, um, you know, one of the biggest Buddhist teachings is Anatta, right? No self. So you think like, oh, people like you, it's like, nah, dude, they like the wisdom, man. Like you know, they like like you know, it's not really you as an essence, but it's like that raw insight that may be coming through you that's really, you know, helping people and supporting people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, honey. Last question: I'm involving the community uh, to help me define what it means to be spiritually sassy. So, how would you define being spiritually sassy?
0: I, you know, uh, first off, thank you for bringing this term into the world because I feel <laughs> like I feel like i've I've watched you, I've watched you just like find your own way in this world of the Buddha Dhamma and this world of transformative practices. And I don't know, I just think like, all we can do is help people from where we are, right? Like, this is like, this is all we got like this, you know, where I'm at right now is how far I can potentially help you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that your development and your like, honesty with yourself about the sassy aspects of saw and how saw can be most true to himself. Like that is just helping so many people develop real radical honesty. And like, that is such a big, important step. Like if you don't have radical honesty with yourself, not like, not necessarily with other people, because if other people immediately just want to like, you know, tell each other like really rough truths, it's like, no, it's not that it's with yourself, like be honestly compassionate with yourself. I think spiritually sassy is like you coming in contact with that true aspect of like, what is it that I want to do with my life? How do I want to show up in the world? Mm. And then just doing it boldly and not worrying about what people care, you know, and I see you do that all the time. And I find that like, dramatically inspiring.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for that beautiful definition. Holy shit, honey. Thank you so much. This has been such an, an honor and a joy to sit back and just you know ask you these delicious questions and just hear all this epic wisdom pour out of you. Thank you so much for doing this work for the sake of all sentient beings. Truly, it's like a long exhale. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Where uh, do we thank find you? you? So much
0: too. Yeah, where do we find um, you? It's a good question. You can find me. I'm often hanging out on Instagram. That's like my that main <laughs> spot. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm. Um, so it's Y-U-N-G underscore P-U-E-B-L-O on IG. And then on Facebook and Twitter, um, I've been having a lot of fun with Twitter, especially because Twitter, I use it as like really experimental. Um, and I'll like try different things out on there that I don't necessarily put up on on Instagram. Um, but it's just, for those two, for Facebook and Twitter, it's just Y-U-N-G P-U-E-B-L-O without the underscore. And then the news place is my newsletter. If you go to youngpueblo.substack.com, you can sign up to my newsletter. And that's been like the big game changer is like I've basically set myself up where I am like creating new longer pieces once a week. And I would wow. just challenge myself like, mm. you know, what am I learning? What am, what am I like really trying to dig deeper into? And like secretly, it's almost like, Practice for for future books. You know, I'm like setting up. So if you want to read something good and long, that's too long to put on Instagram, then come to youngpueblo.substack.com, and then Young, I'll, I'll send you an s- email once a week. Substack, what's that called? Sub Substack. You don't, oh, you don't know about Substack? No, Ed? I don't. Or you're gonna love it.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's
0: Substack. Good. It's, it's good. It's good.
1: Okay,
0: cool. We'll put the links. S U B S T A. CK, yep.
1: We'll put the links for all the stuff in the show notes. Um and you have the new book coming out, um, which is currently in pre-order, yeah. right? Yep, it's a- yeah, Clarity mm-hmm. Connection. We'll pre-order, put the link for that. And it'll
0: be out. Thank you so much. Yeah, that'll be out April 27th.
1: Epic. Well, thank you so much, my love. It's been truly an honor and a joy to chat with you, guys. I love this dude so much. He's like a Dharma brother so much. And his wife, at some point, you know, you uh, the world will get to see this couple together out in the world. I hope I get to experience you guys <laughs> together. It's been so long. <sighs> well, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, soon, soon. Okay, love you. Thank you so much too, brother. I love okay. you so much.